For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode four of Believe in Rangers, a New York Rangers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, Johnny Lazarus, and we've got a great show for you today. We got a season wrap up talking about the crazy last week of the regular season involving John Davidson, Jeff Gordon getting fired, as well as Tom Wilson. And in that whole situation, and we've got an awesome interview with Molly Walker, who is a sports reporter for the New York Post and covers the New York Rangers. Also a UMass Minutemen alum. She covered the UMass hockey team there in her time there. When I was there as well, we overlapped a little bit. But we've got that, and we've got a lot more. So let's get into it. So let me dive into this statement from the New York Rangers last week regarding the Tom Wilson situation. I know a lot of people love what they did and how they, you know, stood up for their players and they were the first team to really use their words to state how they feel about a decision that the league made. And in my opinion, I I compared this Rangers letter to, you know, when you were in elementary school and you got a bad grade and your mom wrote a letter for you to hand to the teacher and you brought that letter in to give to the teacher with your mom giving her a piece of her mind. I mean, that's that, that's what the Rangers were doing. They were giving the NHL public safety a piece of their mind at George Paros, and they literally singled out an individual and told him he does not deserve his job. I think the message was clear, what the Rangers are trying to do, but when you go after an individual and their job, it's obviously going to result in a heavy fine. And I think everyone can agree that the $250,000 fine was well worth it for the statement that was made. Listen, I do think that the league messed up. I do think Tom Wilson should have been suspended for at least one game. But actually, I do want to quote my dad. My dad said something super interesting about it. When a player gets hurt in a somewhat illegal, you know, not a clean play, however many games that player has to sit out because of their injury, the person who caused the injury should sit out the exact same amount of games if it's a cheap kind of hit or cheap play. And I actually don't think that's a horrible idea. Artemi Panarin missed the final three games with an injury. I think that resulted from the Tom Wilson hit or Tom Wilson fight, whatever you want to call it. So Tom Wilson should have had to sit those three games as well. I think that's kind of a fair punishment. I mean, that's just my dad's opinion. I also agree with it, but it's not really a bad point. I mean, think about how many times this happens in a hockey season and a lot of guys do get injured in pretty cheap ways. So I think that could help maybe protect players in the future. I think that's a pretty good idea. But that's ultimately what happened. And I don't want to talk about it too much because I talked about it with Molly Walker, but the league failed to protect its players. So what we saw in the Rangers Capitals game last Wednesday night was the players protecting themselves. And I think any hockey fan who has watched the game for many amounts of years knew that it was going to be the game that it was. They knew the Rangers were going to have to step up because everyone in hockey media was saying that the Rangers are a soft team. Obviously, the players take that to heart. 
and they're going to stick up for themselves because players aren't dumb. They read what's written in the media. Everyone knows. It's not like players don't pay attention to it. Everyone sees it. I mean, at least that's what I think. But I do want to talk about the Pavel Buchnevich suspension because anyone who thinks that Pavel Buchnevich did not deserve at least a game for the cross check to the face that he pulled on, I forgot which Capitals player, is wrong. I mean, Pavel Buchnevich, a thousand percent deserved to be suspended. But when you suspend a player, a game after this whole Tom Wilson thing, when he just gets a $5,000 fine, it's just not a good look. And I actually want to go into a question from a listener, Luke Legrano, and I want to go into it because I love talking about this topic. This is what he said in quotes. I was one of the few hundred Ranger fans who at Wednesday's game opted to scream Wilson sucks instead of Popman sucks. Do you think that could be a permanent change? And I love this idea. I mean, I've been saying it for years. The Popman sucks chant has to go. It's so outdated. And everyone knows that the Popman sucks was based on the hit that Dennis Popman laid on Ulf Nilsson in the 1979 season, which ended his career. He had a lot of hope, a lot of promise as a player. And unfortunately, his career had to end early due to that hit. But in this situation, Tom Wilson does come after our star player. I know Artemi Panarin's career isn't over, but that's a guy who is a relevant player that everyone hates, and we would love to cheer these sucks. And actually, it's funny because I don't know if people remember this, but in the 2012 opening round series against the Ottawa Senators, the Ranger fans mocked the Senators fans, which was hilarious. So at the Ottawa home games, with 11-11 on the clock, Ottawa Senators fans down to the 11-minute mark would chant Alfie after Daniel Opperson, number 11 on the team, the captain. They wanted to honor him because his career was coming to an end in Ottawa, and he was literally an Ottawa Senators legend. So the next home games, Ranger fans at the 11-11 mark were cheering, Alfie sucks. And the whole garden was doing it, and it was unbelievable because it was a relevant chant. The pop band chant is so outdated, and I think cheering Wilson sucks is just so relevant right now. And another chant that I think of also is when Bruce Boudreau said something about the MSG crowd not being loud, not being an intimidating place to play. And the following game, the Rangers take like a 4-1 lead against the Capitals and the crowd's cheering, can you hear us at Bruce Boudreau, which was amazing. These relevant chants are passionate. When I'm sitting in the Madison Square Garden seats and I hear some asshole start whistling the whistle for Pop Band Sucks, I'm like, oh, here we go again, Pop Band Sucks, and it's going to happen 10 more times throughout this game, and I bet 75% of the fans don't even know what the chant is about. So I love the idea. I don't love Tom Wilson. I don't hate Tom Wilson, but I think it's a relevant chant that New York Ranger fans right now can just get behind and get passionate about. When the Pop Band Sucks chants happen, not even everyone's doing it. So I think this is just a very passionate thing to chant in the garden, and I would love for them to implement this. So thank you, Luke, for writing that in because I love that topic, and I think it's awesome. And I do want to talk about the Tom Wilson situation just a little bit because I know people have asked my opinion on it. I think what Tom Wilson represents in the NHL is a good thing. I think the NHL does need a villain. I think they do need somebody to hate and someone that you love to hate. What Tom Wilson did, I don't think it was such a horrifying act of violence. He did punch a defenseless guy in the back of the head while his face was on the ice, which I think was ridiculous. I'm not even mad about what he did to Panarin. The Panarin thing, listen, he slammed our best player to the ice and it could have led to a very bad injury. But in the heat of the moment, in a scrum like that, I've been there, you're not thinking about who you're fighting. When you have a guy on your back, you want to get him off. And I, I, I like, I, I think Tom Wilson is kind of a scumbag and he has shown that in years past, but I love that the game of hockey has a guy that everyone hates. And I think it's such a great thing. I mean, hockey Twitter last week was bumping. Everyone was talking about hockey. Hockey was the trending topic on Twitter. And I love that part of the game. If you take Tom Wilson out of the game, listen, if he becomes a guy who literally hurts people and is not safe for the game, then I think that's a huge issue. I get that he's a repeat offender, and if he really starts 
to cause pain on players, then it's a different topic. Panera was hurt. I don't think he was seriously injured. These things do happen. We see guys fight and guys get hurt. I think everyone just has it out for Tom Wilson, so it's a little more extreme. I think what Tom Wilson represents in the league is good for the league, but what he does to players, obviously, there's no room in the game for that. To kick Tom Wilson out of the league right now might be a stretch, but he definitely should face some discipline for his actions. So that's my thoughts on it. I don't want to talk too much more because we talked about it a lot with Molly Walker. I do want to get into that interview with Molly. I think you guys will love it, and I think you guys will love her. So enjoy. I am very excited to be joined by a sports reporter for the New York Post, as well as a New Mass alum. Welcome to the show, my friend Molly Walker. Molly, how's it going? It's good. Thanks so much for having me, and happy to always discuss New Mass with a fellow alum, always a fun time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm super pumped to have you. I feel like it's been a little overdue, even though this is a kind of a brand new show. But, um, <laughs> you know, first things first, I do want to ask you, you know, how tired you must be from this crazy <sighs> week it's been as a New York Ranger reporter. Let's just say I haven't had a day off since last Tuesday, <laughs> which yeah. is over a week straight. So I have my first day off coming up on Sunday. So I plan on turning my phone off and not looking at any screens. I feel like my eyes are about to fall out of my head, but um, can't complain. You know, this entire season from start to finish has just been the most eventful Ranger season that I've ever, you know, watched, let alone reported on in my entire, you know, time as a hockey fan. So definitely kept me on my toes. Yeah. I was going to say your first year out of college, COVID happens. And then the second year you're covering the Rangers, all this chaos happens. I mean, what are we in store for next season? (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, who who even knows this, this season really uh, set the bar pretty high as far as events and uh, drama, no less. There was no short of, of storylines to follow as well as expect the unexpected really, uh, brought a whole new meeting this season for the Rangers. A hundred percent. And I actually am curious, and I know you touched on it a little bit in your podcast up in the blue seats, which we got to plug your, your opinion on the whole Jeff Gordon, John Davidson situation and Chris Jury stepping in as someone who's kind of on the inside. I mean, you are on the inside technically, right? I know you're not an insider. Not as much as Larry Brooks, but he definitely likes to feed me a little bit of information. So I think I have a pretty good idea of, of what's been going on. <laughs> when all this news drops, is the the slack for the NY Post just going off? Like, how do you guys go about it? <laughs> well, I just, I texted Larry and <laughs> uh-huh. I said, oh my God. <laughs> but when he, when David Quinn, uh, well, I guess it wasn't exactly David Quinn, but when the Rangers postponed Quinn's pregame press conference, my radar went up because mm. every other time that they've done that during the season has been for big reasons. The most recent one being that was when the whole coaching staff got COVID-19. So every single time that they have postponed a press conference, it has been something pretty major. So I texted Larry when it happened and I said, you know, oh my gosh, every time that this happens, something big follows. Like, what do you think happened? And he, all he wrote back was something big. So he <laughs> knew something was coming he probably already knew at that moment in time but didn't say anything to me about it yet and then he broke it and I was like well that was the definition of something big but as far as uh being surprised about it obviously when I when it first came out yes my my first thought was pretty stunned pretty shocked just considering how beloved John Davidson is and that he's really only been on the job for not that long. You know, Mm -hmm. I think this is his second season. 2019 was when he was brought on, I think. 
So I think that it just the fact that it was such a short time since he had been brought on and just how well respected he is in hockey and, and how, I guess, well received he was by Rangers fans and the Rangers in general when he came aboard that both firings as like a double whammy was was a pretty big stunner. But after talking to Larry about it and and hearing the reports of why, I understand the fact that there was a disconnect between CEO Jim Dolan and this managerial duo in the sense of where the rebuild is at and also the way that the Rangers are currently made up was did not sit well with Dolan, which is something that was exacerbated this past two weeks or so with games mm. against the Islanders, the last three games against the Islanders, they were outscored 13 to one <laughs> and <good>. just <laughs> absolutely shown up and just really showed how much further they have to go until they're real contenders in the East. And then everything that happened with Tom Wilson, that was its own debacle in itself. I think that it also just showed a glaring need for tougher grittier players and a different kind of culture in the locker room, I guess you could say. So that's where it all stemmed from for Jim Dolan. He not only felt like JD and Gorton wanted, were still taking their time with wrapping up the rebuild, but they, he was not happy with the way that the team is currently constructed, Mm -hmm. which is a glaring, has been a glaring issue with the Rangers this entire season. They are coming out of their ears in top six talent, in finesse, skill-type players that get bodied off the puck left and right no matter what, no matter what team they're playing. Even if it's the Devils, the Sabres, Sabres, they are just so outmatched and outmanned in that department. And it's kind of thrown the balance of the lines off. You can't have someone like Vitaly Kravtsov on the fourth line. (laughs) Yeah. This kid is a finisher. He is Mm -hmm. a sniper. That is what he is. That is what he did in juniors. Like that is, you know, you cannot bury that on the fourth line. It doesn't do him justice. It doesn't do the Rangers justice. So I just think that there was a disconnect with where the team was going. So Dolan just needed to shift gears a little bit. And he, the entire organization is very high on Chris Jury. They have been since he was head of player development when he came in. Six years ago, he's worked his way up. He's been had a pulse on the team this entire time. So clearly Jim Dolan thinks that he's the man for both jobs going forward. No, yeah, that was a good rant. And and you started it with <laughs> you started with all the coaches getting COVID. And I completely yeah. forgot about that with all Yeah, the right. Like, it's was, like on the bottom of the totem yeah. pole of all the things that have happened. This and that's a huge that's a huge deal. Yeah. I, I completely forgot that that happened, but it's actually funny. And we do have a question from a listener, Tyler Corsello. Uh, do you know him? Fellow UMass alumni. Oh, okay. A friend. And, and he wants to know if you actually buy the firing of uh, Jeff Gordon and John Davidson that had nothing to do with the Wilson statement. That's a good question. Um, I know for a fact that Gordon and JD were not fans of the statement. Mm-hmm. They did not want it to come out. They did not want to be associated with it. That being said, it it was not entirely related. It did not directly lead to it. That would have just been pretty, pretty silly. And Mm -hmm. according to Larry Brooks, who always knows exactly what's going on, this is something that Jim Dolan has been thinking about for some time. And if you read his 
exclusive interview with Jim Dolan, he says specifically, like, you know, he wouldn't give an exact timeline, but he confirmed that he has been thinking about this for some time. So the it was very it was a coincidence that it happened. <laughs> yeah, that it happened uh-huh. all at the same time. And that reports did come out that it was true. They did not they you know weren't fans of it, didn't think it was a good idea. And the statement was very driven by Dolan. Mm-hmm. Dolan was the one that was very behind it and very felt very strongly about putting that out there. So I wouldn't say that it was entirely had to do with it, but there I think it only further showed that there was um, a discrepancy in the front office. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> I think I speak for, for most Ranger fans when you found out that those two were fired right after this whole thing went down. You kind of think James Dolan's on a power trip, right? Like yeah. that's kind of being being a Knicks fan. Of course. It's kind of the same thing. And everyone's been saying for years, don't let Dolan touch the Rangers. Yeah. But uh no, no, I, I'm happy to know that it wasn't really a I guess it is a coincidence of the timing, but it wasn't yeah. really correlated. But I mean, what is your whole take on this entire Tom Wilson thing and the whole Rangers statement? Because the Rangers that's like a first time ever that a team has put out a statement like that. My dad actually loved it, like raved about it for, <laughs> for hours about Tom Wilson should be arrested and all that stuff. Yeah. But are you on that? Are you on that team? Are you on the, maybe we're exaggerating a little bit. I am only 24 years old. I've only been watching hockey intently since I've been in eighth grade. So the whole, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s time of hockey is obviously way before my time, but I have never seen a player fight like he was in a bar on the ice. And that is kind of what I thought when I watched Tom Wilson do what he did to not only Pavel Buchnevich, but Artemi Panarin. I, for two days, I don't think I picked my job off the floor just for the whole series of events from the strong response from Ryan Strom and David Quinn the, the day after in mm. availability. I hadn't seen the team get fired up like that. I don't know, ever since I started co- covering the team. So to see the passion there was kind of exciting, but I also knew that how strongly they felt about it because of their reaction. The statement just knocked me on my ass. <laughs> the verbiage and the diction, the use of terms was just so pinpointed that it really took me by surprise. You think someone but, got shot? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. act of violence. You yeah. know, it was, you know, and I know there was a ton of, you know, response. Everybody and their mother had an opinion on this. And I get that the Rangers kind of looked a little bit soft and and that they didn't respond on the ice when it happened and that they came out and did it with their words and with, you know, their management position and and things like that. So I get that. But that also feeds further into the narrative that they just need to get tougher and grittier on the ice. One hundred percent. But that also people need to remember that the three people that would probably have gone after Tom Wilson that night were not on the ice and Chris Kreider, Ryan Lindgren and Jacob Truba. Mm -hmm. And I also wouldn't be surprised if Tom Wilson took that into account when it happened. And we traded away Lemieux. Lemieux also. Yes, that too. I mean, granted Lemieux did request the trade because he wasn't he wasn't getting the kind of role that he wanted to have, but Mm -hmm. same thing, you know, they didn't make a point, but I I don't think that they could have turned Lemieux into anything more than what he was. He's, he just doesn't really have the skill to 
be in that top six in my personal opinion no, but i agree a, he would have been right? the favorite right now he would have been yeah, the favorite. yeah 100 and i have no doubt that he would have come out swinging at tom wilson mm-hmm. in that instance no no doubt about it um but i definitely think that the response from the league was mild mm-hmm. um for a repeat offender like Tom Wilson and the fact that he was already once suspended. I mean, the fact that he didn't, yes, Artemi Panarin jumped on his back, but let's not forget that it was in retaliation. It was not Artemi Panarin skating up to Tom Wilson in open ice and confronting him and starting it with him. Tom Wilson was sandwiching Pavel Buchnevich's head in between his stick and his fist and Ryan Strom came after him, and then Artemi Panarin came after him, and then just the rage that came out of Tom Wilson. That is something that is going to like end someone's career. Mm-hmm. Larry Brooks wrote it very well. Had Panarin's shoulder not been the first thing to hit the ice, and it was his helmetless head, the league could have been dealing with death on ice. No mm-hmm. joke. That is how hard he threw Panarin down. I mean, you could fit three of Panarin and Tom Wilson, and and everybody knows that. So does Tom Wilson. But I, I read I read uh, Tom Wilson's comments today. He spoke to the media for the first time. I didn't and see that. Yeah, he did. He he didn't say sorry or anything. I don't think I didn't read it. But he and he did say that it felt like a routine hockey play. But he did reach out to Panarin after the fact to make sure that he was okay. So that a bit more of a classy move. But I just think that the NHL had an opportunity to send a message that that kind of behavior is not tolerated. And I'm the first person to say hockey is unique because of the fact that it allows fighting and that it has that physicality that comes every night. It's an entertainment factor. It's a selling point. No doubt. Don't think it should be eradicated at all. But when you're fighting on the ice, like you're fighting in a bar and it's not a one-on-one or like, you know, and I've seen JG Pajot go after Jacob Truba, you know, the size thing doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But if it's a one-on-one, like agreed upon, like Panarin was just trying to get Wilson off of him. And then Wilson turned around and just ragdolled a human being and a top five player in the league. Mm-hmm. And that's just, I think, a line that was crossed. Well, I think when it comes to the protecting the players thing that the NHL could have done, I mean, especially knowing that the Capitals and Rangers are playing the next night, just sit in one game. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's where I'm coming from. And then I, I've compared it a little bit. It's not a similar situation, but similar to how the MLB kind of reacted to the Astros cheating. And then the Astros mm-hmm. come out every game and get the ball thrown at their heads. Yep. I mean, not doing anything to the players. Yeah. If, if, if you punish the player, then the players don't have to punish the players. And that's kind of exactly. how this all took place. And I was actually at the last game where the, you know, three fights happened on the face off against the devils, which was unbelievable. It's so great. <laughs> but that one I didn't even see coming at the time. I know I was younger, but I think any hockey fan or any Ranger fan like kind of had a feeling this, especially when both teams started their fourth line, like everyone knew like something's happening here. It was a selling point. Yeah, I think it was a ratings decision, mm-hmm. which is kind of a shame because it shows where the league's priorities are, you know, views over player safety, 110%. Any other player but Tom Wilson, I don't think it would have been as blown up as it did mm-hmm. it's just that this is not the first he hospitalized brandon carlo early yeah. this season like and he then, put a player in a hospital in the hospital on that note if it's someone who's more star driven than panarin yeah 
People you should, can't get you yeah. can't get any higher than than Artemi Panarin on the Rangers. You yeah. just can't. But if that's Crosby, everyone's yeah, having right? a panic attack. Yeah. I wonder what would have happened if it was Sidney Crosby or Connor McDavid. Yeah. You know what would have happened then? I don't know. It was it was a pretty wild series of events, no doubt. Um, but I think Boomer Esiason said it very well. It's definitely a black eye on the league. Yeah, hundred percent. And there's another question from a listener, Rami Lavi, who wants to touch on the uh, Wednesday night's game against the Capitals. With it being nationally televised, do you think it's bad for the league? He he said, I think it was great publicity. It was a top story everywhere. The exposure is great for the league. But you just said, for ratings, you kind of touched on it in a sense. Yeah. But would you have like wanted that to be the promotional game for the NHL? TJ Oshie had a hat trick mm-hmm. on the night coming back from the death of his father. And that was not the storyline. Yeah. It could have been the storyline, but it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a better storyline than a line brawl right off puck drop, no matter what. That's just my personal opinion. And obviously, granted, there's no telling if that TJ Oshie would have happened without, like, obviously, you can't see in the future, but mm-hmm. you, they knew sending Tom Wilson onto the ice, not only giving him a $5,000 fine, which is less than a percent of his salary for this season, that there was going to be repercussions. And between the Rangers' reaction the next day and their statement, I think that was also a warning factor that that was coming. So Mm -hmm. it is totally clear that that is what the league wanted. But again, I would have loved to have seen the TJ Oshie story been more higher up in the headlines than just the Rangers getting even because the league didn't have their backs. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, also like away from the drama a little bit. I don't want to talk too much about these. Like, no, it's topics the and... entire season. Are you kidding? There's nothing to talk about. Is yeah. <laughs> well, I'm curious what your favorite moment was from the entire season, because aside from Ooh. all these, you know, dramatic things that happened, there were a ton of good moments like Savannah Jad six point games, the hat tricks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of fun moments too. Adam Fox. I definitely, I think watching the evolution of Alexi Lafreniere was probably my favorite personally, just because I am lucky that I get to watch the live streams of the practices. Mm-hmm. And I can't even tell you, that kid is is the favorite player in that locker room. They love him. Mm-hmm. He is so affectionate. I have never seen a hockey player go from one player, one teammate to the next, hugging them and like rummaging their head and, you know, slapping the stick on the ass. Like he is just a ball of life and they live for him. They just, they really have bought into him as a person and as a player. And he flourished toward the end of the season, you know, granted that everything, taking everything under consideration, all the drama, all the outside noise, playing a season through COVID, not having any exhibition games, not having a training camp to get started. Who knows if Lafreniere's season would have taken as long as it did to, to really take off. Mm-hmm. So, he, But he did toward the end of the season, 100%. He really found his game, and a big part of that was getting elevated to the top line. And it was just really fun to watch him blossom, but more so just – how he was perceived by his teammates and just watching him enjoy being a, an NHL player really was a lot of fun for me. Yeah. He seems like such a cute, like little, little yeah. Girl, yeah, cute guy. is a perfect <laughs> word. He really, I mean, he would just, 
skate from player to player and just bear hug. And no matter who it was, it could be Julian Gauthier, could be Artemi Panarin, like everybody, big or small, just mm. didn't matter who it was. He was hugging everybody. <laughs> yeah, the only other guy in the league I could think of like that is Pasternak. Like he just yeah. seems like he's a, a similar, just like cuddly. Similar vibe. You know? Uh, so was he your favorite player to interview or have you been able to interview players? Um, obviously not one-on-one for zoom, yeah. no, everything's over zoom and, mm-hmm. and, uh, dictated by Rangers PR. So it was a struggle. No, n- no doubt about it. It really sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as someone that kind of just got their footing in the locker room. Um, I just started to develop relationships with players and, and to be on a first name basis in both locker rooms, the Islanders and the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just starting to get a feel for it and availability was just ripped out from underneath me. So that was really tough to get used to. And it takes away the entire competitive aspect mm-hmm. of what what I do. So it really did suck, but I would say favorite players to interview Ryan Strom and Brendan Smith are always yeah, so candid, great. so candid and just, they get it. They understand to elaborate, to lengthen out the quote, you know, helps me pad out my stories better mm-hmm. than most for sure. <laughs> and were you a Ranger fan growing up? I will never tell. <laughs> well, I, know, I know you said your mom was a huge Ranger fan. My mom was a huge Ranger fan, but all the Islanders fans think I'm a Rangers fan, and all the Rangers fans think I'm an Islander fan. We'll keep it that way. I won't. I won't tell your secret. <laughs> Thanks. Um, but two two guys that you've been able to watch closely. I know Kale was more at the college level, but you watched Kale McCarr pretty much every day practice at UMass. Such a pleasure to watch practice. I mean, he's like the best Seriously. player I've ever seen. But. Me too. Adam Fox also, these are two guys. I, I know them both personally. I play with them and you've got to cover them both. And a lot of people ask me, I'm sure they ask you also, are there comparisons between the two? And I think there are a ton, but they are also very different in so many ways. But what would you say are some of the biggest similarities between Cal McCarr and Adam Fox and then some of those differences? As far as similarities, their maturity in mm-hmm. their game is just so far beyond their years. They play like a veteran in this league and they have since the moment that they touched an NHL ice, which I think is a huge accomplishment in itself and something very special that doesn't come around that often. Um, As far as differences, I think Kale is, even though Fox is pretty offensively geared, I think Kale is just his offensive, like Fox, I think is, is a little bit, more cares more about his defensive game and Kale's good defensively, but more effortlessly. Mm-hmm. And he really just is so his shot, his placement on the power play and such. He is just lethal. Yeah. He is just, it's, it's unbelievable to watch. It was unbelievable to watch at UMass. It's been unbelievable to watch for the abs. I, I, I remember sitting on my couch when he went to the abs for the playoffs after losing in the national championship, I made both my roommates who are not sports fans watch the game with me and he scored and I started hysterically crying. Like I just with, like, I couldn't even contain it. And my roommates were filming me. They were like, you're such a loot, you know, like they thought it was hysterical, but I was Mm -hmm. like, you don't understand. Like, he was in a lecture hall last week mm-hmm. and now he's competing for a Stanley cup with the avalanche. Like it's just the jump 
and he's he couldn't have happened to a better guy like I think he is he really is a very special person I, I remember meeting his parents at the national championship his dad shook my hand three times throughout that like mm-hmm. three days that we were in Buffalo and I actually went to um during his rookie season uh his real rookie season my editor sent me to the avalanche locker room Um, yeah during they came to play the islanders um so i came and i just remember i was so excited obviously just to get to see him again and i don't know what i was expecting i mean i knew he would recognize me considering i mean there were no media at umass no matter how good they were that year nobody came except for us daily collegian people Mm. um but he you know i I don't know what i was expecting but he is just always so even keeled he's never up he's never down he's just always in the middle so humble and uh he just was asking me about what i've been doing and i'm like you haven't been doing anything right you know like you're just so you know you're you're calm cool and collective but he was genuinely curious about where my head my career had gone and just to hear someone like that who is going to have probably a hall of fame hockey career genuinely interested in what i had been doing i was very um very honored to yeah. have that kind of relationship with him. So it was yeah, no. very cool. It's so cool that you're able to also grow with these guys that, you know, you got to cover at UMass, like other guys were John Leonard, Mario Ferraro, Mitchell right. Chafee might be in the NHL pretty soon. Jake McLaughlin. Um, how, like, it's just so cool for you. I feel, oh, I'm speaking for you now, but it's gotta, <laughs> it's gotta be so cool for you to just cover these guys in college. And now, you know, fast forward two years, just look at them dominating the NHL. Cause it, it kind of surprises me still, but just the way college hockey has advanced and how, guys step out of college now, like Zach Jones, we're going to talk about in a second. And they just look so natural in the NHL. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. 100%. I was so happy for Mario Ferraro. I think a lot of people were pretty shocked that he didn't stay for another year, but then he went and he made the Sharks team right out of training camp, you know, stepped right into a role and proved everybody wrong, basically, I, I would say. So that was also really special to watch. And yeah, I think when I was watching the national championship when they actually won this year, it was still even more cool just knowing almost every guy on that team still, you know, so many of those players I had covered um, during my senior, junior and senior year. So it was, there were a lot of familiar faces and getting to see that almost the exact same team that that just fell short uh, in in my senior year uh, was very, very special. Yeah, I, I think I speak for most people that were at the UMass program from when Carvel and Ben Barr and D-Mike stepped in saying that we knew this day would come eventually. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, I was, I remember coming and thinking it was the coolest thing in the world, uh, first of all, just to be able to sit at the glass having just shown my student ID. You know, that's mm. not something that a lot of D1, like, schools in general do but obviously umass is a very very low on the totem pole for d1 and in all sports except for hockey now mm-hmm. um football i'm talking male sports mostly because the girl sports are all pretty good but um just to be able to sit at the glass but i remember being one of 50 people there maybe, you know dragging my roommate to go with me and just watching a team get blown out five to nothing you know? <laughs> i mean you were on that team so sorry, but, <laughs> okay. I but you know it was i definitely saw it from its lowest point 
Um, but what Greg Carvel has done with that program, I mean, they can recruit anybody that they want now. They just have also, I just thinking about Carvel's post-game press conference from that national championship. He just, he was so overwhelmed, but like, so, and so emotional. Like you just know how much he cares Mm -hmm. and he really does. And I'm so thankful that I got to learn how to be on a beat and develop my first relationship with a coach to be with coach Greg Carvel. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely been a lot of fun for me to watch them succeed and we all knew it would happen, but I, have you talked to uh, Jonesy at all? Like what's he been saying his transition to the league? Yeah. He, he they've actually made him available a lot more than I thought they were going to. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, every time he's been available, I've been off. So <laughs> I was so, so I haven't got to ask him any questions personally, but I, I, you know, he's, He's been one of the first players, him and Morgan Barron actually um, are the first players that I kind of was able to jump in there really early and develop a small relationship with them, even though I never got to talk to them face to face in the locker room. But I did uh, I did features on both of them um, before they got to the Rangers and with Jones in particular, you know, after he won the national championship, I texted him, congratulated him. Um, so it's been, it's been cool to be able to see, you know, how to develop a relationship with a player from like square one. So, mm-hmm. um, Jones was very, very, has always been kind, always answers my text. So got to thank him for that. And hopefully I get to continue the relationship face to face in the locker room soon. But he says he's been uh, adjusting pretty well. You know, it takes, especially the fact that these next few games are completely meaningless, Mm -hmm. but he got to get some meaningful minutes and, you know, some good experience against, can't even imagine what he must feel like going up against teams like the Islanders and, and Washington, you know, <laughs> so, but I think he is going to find his footing and they already have him in the second power play unit. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He looks, he looks super comfortable back there already. I thought, and mm-hmm. I thought one of the funniest things on Twitter, I mean, I'm a huge Twitter guy. Twitter. <laughs> Who is it? I, I mean, I think I, I think I like every single tweet that you put out, but <laughs> one of the funniest things was like the day after uh, Jonesy signed with the Rangers. I actually don't know him personally, but I'm just gonna call him Jonesy anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> He was wearing his hat backwards in the press conference, and I saw Carvel tweet back at the yeah. Rangers. He's a, he's a pro for one day, and he just forgot what we taught him. Yeah, like look what happens. Look yeah. what happens. Yeah, Carvel's so funny like that. I just, mm-hmm. But yeah, no, Jones. He's really. I think he's a good kid, and I think that he is very appreciative of how highly the organization has made it seem that they regard him, and I think that that only motivates him more to want to perform. So I think he's very much so one of those types of players that are driven by a team's confidence in him. So mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where it goes. Yeah, same here. And I know there's a lot of excitement going towards next season already because this season is over pretty much. But um, what are your expectations for this Rangers offseason? Have you heard anything from Chris Drury? Are they going to keep Quinn? Are they going to go after any free agents? What, what are you hearing? Well, we did speak to Chris Jury the other day for his introductory press conference. And I know a lot of people on Twitter were were pretty confused because we were asking him about, you know, clearly this has all stemmed down to the state of the rebuild and the state of where the team is right now and that Dolan wasn't a fan of that. So 
but upon asking Chris where he feels like it's he needs to go from now, he said that it, he didn't really think it had to be any anything drastic, and that he was very proud of what they've accomplished so far. Which no doubt they 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 should be. They have one of the most you know deep prospect pools and just like pipeline of of high skill players that have come through so in such a short amount of time. But people were like, well, why get rid of the two guys that orchestrated the entire thing and not give them a chance to see it through? But I obviously the jury's not going to come out and, and lay it all out on the table, what he's planning on doing and the things that he thinks needed to be adjustment uh, adjusted because, I mean, the blood's not even cold yet. So, But I think that granted that this has been expedited because of the fact that they didn't make the playoffs – and because of the fact that they've been really shown up in the last couple of games here against the mm-hmm. top competition in the East, they said that making the playoffs was a goal this year. It's going to be a requirement next year. Yeah, I, I heard you say that on Up in the Blue Seats. Yeah, that's uh-huh. and I that's that's how I feel about it. I think yeah. I, I wrote it twice too in two different articles because that's I think what this is going to boil down to is that Dolan wants it to move forward. Mm-hmm. We're fast forwarding here a little bit. So that also tells me that this off season, they're going to be active. I know they got a boatload of cap space going into next season. So they're going to address the need for grit. They're going to address the need for physicality, probably players that could be in the top six too, because they need to really balance it out. I mean, Chris Kreider is a, is a very, obviously he's signed on for a while here and he can be a physical player, but they might even get someone more physical than him that could also finish the play as well to pad out the top six. And we might see Kreider on the third line or the second line, you know, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. see how it'll, how it'll, how it'll come out. But I think that next season is, there's going to be a lot of pressure. And as far as Quinn, I really, it's, I know it's a very hot topic and everybody has an opinion on it too. Um, I know that Chris Jury is a big fan of David Quinn. They go back pretty far. So now that he's the one entirely calling the shots and Dolan told Larry that it'll be entirely up to, to Chris, mm-hmm. I would be pretty shocked if he doesn't give Quinn at least one more go considering how far he's gone with developing these players and nobody can tell me that he hasn't developed them. Like, yes, some of his ice time decisions might be a little bit questionable, but the young players have done well underneath him. And even players like Pavel Buchnevich have come along pretty nicely underneath mm-hmm. David Quinn. So we'll see. No, yeah, I completely agree. And I went on a rant on the last episode of the show, just saying how lucky Ranger fans have been though. I mean, when you talk about a rebuild, you think, oh, no, we're going to tank for like two or three years. We're going to suck, and it's not going to be enjoyable. But the Rangers have had like four straight winning seasons, even though they haven't made the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I think this year, if it wasn't for the way the divisions were broken down, and, you know, if it was if it was seated like it used to be one through eight, the Rangers would probably be in the playoffs. I think so, too. I, I think wish... that they were drawn a really crappy hand with yeah, the way I... that this was drawn. I hated that the NHL, like, switched the way the playoffs worked, how it's not one through eight anymore. I love just how, you know, it wasn't division based, but right. um, you know that's not my call. But <laughs> a little bit above your pay. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. But speaking of that, just to wrap things up, what is your Stanley Cup final prediction, and who wins the Stanley Cup this year? I think I had. I don't want to divert Do from my initial ones. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, 
I did have the Islanders making the playoffs over the Rangers, and I did mm. catch some heat for that, but I knew. I knew. <laughs> I was like, there is just no way. My one mistake, I, I had the Flyers over the Penguins. The mm. Flyers being a bust was was pretty was pretty unexpected. I think Carter Hart that. Carter mm. Hart being a bust was was a pretty I had him winning the bust. <laughs> that it's okay. was that was had, my worst pick of the entire. I had Jack Eichel to an MVP, so okay, all right. So we're 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 in the same yeah. we're in the same field here. But um, I think I I think I think it's gonna be Vegas. To I have a good feeling. Like yeah, wins. Vegas. I think it's gonna be Vegas and Lightning. I think. Let me see. I want to get. Series. I want to get my. I think it's on my phone. Let me see. I want to get. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't want to botch it i think that was what was my final let's see please hold we can we, we can go off the off the dome here just you know hot seat no i i, I want to stick with my with my preseason predictions we're not yeah. gonna die we're not gonna divert i had colorado oh i have colorado winning colorado over tampa bay i knew tampa was there mm-hmm. larry had vegas that's what made me think of it because I probably thought, yeah, I think either Vegas or, or the Abs, and mm-hmm. I just I'm so biased. I'd love to see Cal McCarr yeah. lift this. Stick. That's probably where that came from. Mm-hmm. No, I, I completely agree. It'd be so much fun to watch him. That'd be great. Uh, yeah. sure he maybe even would bring it to UMass. I could see him doing that. Stop it! I think I'd drive all the way. I would go to just to too. see that. I would make the three hour trip for that. Mm-hmm. Well, Molly, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I mean, I'm, I hope we could do it again. It's such a nice time just talking to you face to face, even though I couldn't get the face to face when I was playing because I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> putting up the numbers that Kale and Mario and, and Leno were putting up. But it's nice okay. I think you've done pretty well for yourself. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, Molly. Of course. Thanks for having me. I want to thank my good friend Molly Walker once again for joining the show. If you don't follow Molly on Twitter, I highly recommend doing it. Her Twitter is at M O L L I E E. W-A-L-K-E-R-R, Molly Walker. She does a great job covering the New York Rangers. I turn my notifications on for her every time that there's news because she is completely on the spot about all the information that she's giving out. So I want to thank Molly once again for that because she's incredible and she's an amazing follow on Twitter. I do also want to talk about Adam Fox and the Norris Trophy because I know I've touched on it in the last couple episodes. And I got to be honest, I really thought Adam was going to run away with the Norris Trophy. I really thought it was his to lose. But with the way that the season ended and the lack of production in the last couple games and Victor Hedman kind of catching up to him in points, I just don't see any way where the league gives it to him. That being said, I do think Foxy had an unbelievable season, and I'm so excited to watch his progression in the next couple of years. But I do think Victor Hedman is going to win the Norris Trophy this season, and I think that's kind of the obvious answer now. But once again, what an incredible season and very excited for what he has in store next year. But I am very happy that the Rangers found a way to win in Boston in the last game of the year. I think that just gives the team a little bit of confidence going into the offseason. And we heard Mika Zibanejad say he was so upset that the season ended, he wanted to continue to win. And I think there is a lot of hope for this team. I know Molly talked about it a little bit, that there's some cap space this summer, and hopefully we can bring in some free agents. Hopefully we can bring in some veterans, because I think this team just needs more veteran presence. We are super young, but we are super talented. And I am very excited for Chris Drury to take the helm because I think he's won at everything he's done in life. He's won a Stanley Cup. He actually won the Little League World Series when he was a kid in Trumbull, Connecticut. He's shown that he's a winner in his career, his playing career, and I think he's done a great job in the front office the last you know, five or six years. So I'm super excited to see what he does with this team. I do think David Quinn will still be the coach of the New York Rangers, but that news could drop any second that he's fired, and I won't be surprised. But I do think they'll give him another shot. 
it's only been a couple years and he does a great job with the young guys and I think they could really use him for at least another one to two years. For those of you guys asking if I'll continue to do the show now that the season's over, I do plan on doing a show every Monday. I'm going to try to talk to even current players now that it's the offseason. But I do want you guys to continue sending in your questions. You can send them to believeinrangers at gmail.com, B-L-E-A-V-I-N, rangers at gmail.com. I love when you guys interact. I want to thank Luke Legrano once again for sending in the question about the Pop Ben Sucks chant. I love talking about that stuff. And I love interacting with Ranger fans. That's what this podcast is all about. I want to be the voice of all the Ranger fans. I'm not an expert. I don't cover the team. I'm not a beat writer. I'm just a normal typical hockey fan. I love the Rangers and I love talking to Ranger fans. So please send in questions. Please follow along. Please DM me any questions you have, or if you just want to shoot the shit talking about the Rangers, more than happy to do so. I hope you guys had a great Mother's Day yesterday, and I hope you continue to follow along. I'll talk to you guys next week. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.